Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Holt Norris, joined by my good friend, Jordan Brooks. We call him JB. What's going on, JB? Pretty well, Holt. We excited about doing more of these five previews today. I'm always excited. Uh, we're about, what, two weeks away from college football as we record this Sunday, 1.30 Central Standard Time. So uh, we're, we're about, what, 13 days away? I guess less than that if you count the Florida-Utah game. Man, I'm already counting week zero. We got you know Vanderbilt opening next Saturday. It's six days from now. I mean, any football is going to be exciting for me next weekend. But, yeah, I mean, opening day two weeks from now, I mean, I'll argue um, with, you know, fans of any sports, especially, you know, baseball fans talking about opening day. I don't think there's anything better than college football opening day. Yeah, that's right. It's always uh, – it's like Christmas Day. Like, that, that's how I would it describe is. it. It's, this is my Christmas Day. Like, when I go to sleep on Friday night, like, it's really hard for me to go to sleep that night. And then I end up just waking up really early at 6 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep. I'm just wired. That's right. So we got uh, three teams to preview on today's episode. Um, We're going to do them a little little bit differently today. Um, But the three teams we're previewing are going to be the Missouri Tigers, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, and the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, So the way we're going to do it now is just to try to speed it up a little bit. Instead of going game by game, we're just going to run through the schedule real quick. And then we're going to talk about um, some games that we like them to win for sure, some games we think they're probably gonna lose for sure, and then sort of like the toss of games in the middle and probably dedicate some more time to that, um, as well as try to just go over our, our general thoughts on the team um, going into the season. Um, so I guess we'll start off with Missouri. JB, do you have any any just thing that jumps out to you about Missouri? Um, like, do you just want to mention from the start? Yeah, I mean, they do have a new offensive coordinator coming in this year, uh, Kirby Moore, who came in from uh, Fresno State. And Kirby Moore um, is being brought in to try to help uh, get the passing game back on its feet. Last year, you know, Brady Cook was a starting quarterback, and he only threw 14 touchdown passes, which you don't expect that in Missouri, especially in Eli Drinkwitz offense. So you're they're expecting to uh, prove that passing game. And, yeah, there's a lot of uh, expectations that Missouri – should take the next step this upcoming season. Uh, they've been pretty much stagnant at six wins. I think they want to at least try to get to seven or eight wins um, this year, and uh, I think that is very possible. Um, you know, of course, we got a quarterback battle too. I mean, I would say Brady Cook is definitely the leading favorite, um, but they do have a transfer. You know, Jake Garcia came in from uh, Miami, and then we got also got you know redshirt freshman um, Sam Horn as well. So. There is a little bit of a battle, but Brady Cook definitely has the upper hand here. And, uh, yeah, I do like that they have some good receivers, too. I mean, Luther Burden is, you know, is returning. I mean, they did lose Dominic Lovett to Georgia, NIL money, but they do have uh, Luther Burden back. And Burden was a a really solid receiver, came on strong at the end of last year. He's going to be their main target this season. Yeah, and also transfer receiver Theo Wees from Oklahoma, a really highly recruited guy out of high school. Um, five-star to high school. He's listed as a 90 transfer by 247. Again, I don't really like the 247 transfer ratings. I don't think they're very accurate, but um, definitely a really talented guy uh, without a doubt. And um, like you mentioned, Jake Garcia from Miami, also very highly uh, recruited quarterback, um, has had a really weird journey too. I mean, he's from California, then he transferred to like Georgia for a senior year of high school, goes to Miami, and then transfers – so, I don't know, yeah. it's kind of a weird he story was, with him. Jake Garcia was on that uh, Netflix show, I think, wasn't he? Didn't he play for uh, that team um, that uh, Rich Bro- Rush Probst coached in Valdosta, Georgia? I can't remember the name of the high school, but it was a Netflix show that was only on for one year. I only got through, like, two episodes because it was just 
too many mature high school kids for me to me for me to pay attention. But I believe that is the same quarterback. But yeah, um, Missouri they got to improve their offense. I mean, Drinkwitz is an offensive mind. You're expected to have a better offense, but. You know, switching gears, I mean, on the other side of the ball, defense, this is where Missouri's bread and butter is. I mean, they are stacked. Are not, I'm not going to say stacked, but they are solid all around. Um, you know, last year they were really good at getting to the quarterback. Um, their secondary is very experienced. And then, you know, they got some really good um, playmakers in, on the linebackers, you know, Tyron Hopper also and Chad Bailey. I mean, they got some really good players in that uh, on that unit. Uh, Missouri's defense is going to be one of the better defenses in the SEC this year. It's all going to be about can the offense um, make those improvements to take you to that next tier. Yeah, that's right. And uh, switching over to the defense, like you were saying, um, <clears throat> they do have a few all-conference players. Um, second teamers, uh, Tyron Hopper is a linebacker. Uh, Chris Abrams-Drain uh, is a defensive back. And Darius Robinson, a defensive lineman, is a third-team defensive uh, defensive lineman. Uh, according to the preseason, you know, SEC media. Um, and then another guy to watch out for, kind of, you know, always uh, undervalued, um, Harrison Mavis or Mevis, I'm not sure how you say it, is uh, the second team all-conference kicker. Um, so it's always nice when you have a reliable kicker. Um, you do especially, need that. You know, Missouri <laughs> lost a lot of close games last year, so having a good quarterback – or uh, sorry, having a good kicker and a good defense is always going to be, um, you know – one of those things that maybe doesn't get a lot of talk in the preseason, but is really going to make the difference in some games. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, having a kicker is a difference in winning that close game or losing it. I mean, we've seen all in the SEC the last, you know, decade where one bad kicker can cost you a game. I mean, just, you know, obviously Alabama 2011, LSU, I think uh, their kicker that night missed like three field goals. That was the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, um, we're just going to go ahead and get into the schedule. Um, they start off the season at home Thursday, August 31st, so coming up um, against South Dakota. Um, then they host uh, Middle Tennessee, and then they're going to host uh, defending Big 12 champs uh, Kansas State, and then they will play Memphis. I believe that game is going to be in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's they, supposed to be in Memphis, and they then, moved it. Yeah, then they have their first road trip on September 30th to Vanderbilt. Um they get LSU at home. That's their uh, their rotating crossover this year. Um, then they travel to Kentucky. They host South Carolina. Um, then they have their bye week before they travel to Georgia. Um, then they host Tennessee, host Florida, and then of course they finish the season with uh, you know the border border border, border rival uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, so uh, looking at the schedule, um, what are some games? Uh, I, I guess we can just go ahead and say that we probably think LSU and Georgia are going to be the sure losses. Do you have any any other ones, or do you agree with that? You know, um, I'm, I'm only going to say the only sure loss that I see on this schedule is the game at Georgia. Um, I don't know if you want to go over sure wins. I mean, I think both you and I would agree there are two sure wins on this schedule. South Dakota and Middle Tennessee, so they should open the season 2-0. and After that, I mean, you've got several toss-ups across the board. Um, you know, you've got a couple of tough games um, that are winnable but will be really difficult. Um, LSU at home, um, at Kentucky, um, at Arkansas, and then Tennessee at home. And, you know, those are going to really dictate whether or not they're going to still be a 500 team this year or can they take that next step and get to, you know, 
seven or eight wins. But yeah, I mean, I guess we want to group it. Um, if we want to just, so we're already going ahead and chalking up South Dakota and Middle Tennessee as a victory. Um, Kansas State, that should be, that's going to be a really tough one. Kansas State's a really solid program. Chris Kleiman's done an excellent job. But, you know, last year, Missouri left a bad taste in their mouth with that game. And I, you know, I might have to say, I'm going to go with, have to go with uh, Missouri in that one. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, it could go either way. It was a really, really ugly game last year for Missouri's offense. Um, Kansas State kind of kind of jumped on, especially in the second half. Um, but Kansas State was a really good team last year. They lose a lot. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn is gone. They lose a lot off of last year's team. Uh, but I am a huge fan of Chris Kleiman. I think he um, he should be more discussed as a uh, um, as a coach who should be advancing and getting a better job. I think he's done an amazing job in his oh, time at sure. Kansas State. I'm actually surprised he's still there. Um, you just don't hear a lot of talk about him. Maybe it's just because his offense isn't that exciting. But man, they they always play physical and they're just discipline. They're always a discipline, just good football team. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the other teams. That's kind of what got us last time. Oh yeah. But uh, I do like Missouri to get the revenge on this one at home. Um, I, I do think they start off the season five and zero. Um, I. I as far as games that I say are for sure wins, I mean, definitely the first two. I feel pretty confident they're going to beat Memphis and Vanderbilt. Um, even though I do think Vanderbilt's going to be better this year. Um, I just think that uh, Missouri is not going to be overlooking that game. I think that that's going to be a. Uh, I think that's going to be a game that Missouri takes. So yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that they're four and two, just like off the you know, just looking at I'm the sure wins six. and sure losses, and then it's really just going to come down to Kansas State. Kentucky, South Carolina, you know, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, when you look at the schedule, too, the first five games are really going to be the most crucial to the, their schedule this year. Um, in my opinion, they need to start off no worse than 4-1 and one in order for them to have momentum going into the back half of the schedule. The back half is the roughest part of the schedule for Missouri. Um, that Vanderbilt game, um, I've actually – I think I'm going to be having Vanderbilt in that one. LSU, I probably would – you know, call that a loss as well. But yeah, so that would be, you know, what is it, four and two, but just different ways of getting there. Um, after that, back half at Kentucky, South Carolina, at Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, at Arkansas. Man, that, that is a gauntlet. Um, that's a tough back half of the schedule. And if you're four and two at this point, you're just hoping if you can go 500, three and three, that would be reasonable and can be attainable for this Missouri team. I think uh, the easiest ones that they can get would be South Carolina and Florida. After that, they need to find a way to steal one either at Kentucky, at home against Tennessee, or at Arkansas. And between those three games, I think they're fully capable of winning one, maybe even two of those games too. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. No, this is going to be an exciting year, I think, for Missouri. Uh, We're going to find out a lot about Eli Drinkwitz. Um, You know, obviously Cook needs to develop a little bit more as a quarterback, but, you know, he's – He's got some tools, and I do believe in Eli Drinkwitz as a play caller. And just like we were talking about, they had lost some close games last year. Obviously, the Kansas State game was just really ugly. 40-12, to 12, they lost that game. Um, just really ugly performance by the offense. But, uh, you know, they lose that game at Auburn. That they, sh- I mean, they had no business losing that game. They should have won that game. They take Georgia to the wire. Um, probably played them better than anybody else did last year outside of maybe Ohio State. They lose by seven on the road at Florida. Lose by four at home to uh, Kentucky. 
So a lot of close losses last year. You know, I mean, if you believe the, believe in the law of averages, you know, those things should. They should. Yeah. I mean, they've been six and six the last two seasons. Uh, they've been very close. Their defense is going to be really stout this season. If the offense can just take that next step and improve and become more of a serviceable offense, I mean, just, you know, if you can just average about 400, you know, maybe even close to 450 yards a game. I don't know if 450 yards a game is achievable for them, but if you can just average over 400 yards a game combined with that defense they have, control the line of scrimmage, they could have a really good season this year. Um, I don't know what your projected record is, but I guess I'll go ahead and reveal mine. Um, I have Missouri at 7-5 and five this season, and uh, there is one hot take that I have, I don't know if you want to call it a hot take, one victory um, that maybe a lot of people aren't predicting, but I think out of all those games that we mentioned, the tough games at the back half of the schedule, I believe that they are going to steal their game at home against Tennessee and upset the balls in that one. Yeah, that is quite an upset. That that was not one of the games they lost close last year. That was more was of not. a that was more of a blowout loss. It's been they got blowout. blown out the last two yeah. years by Tennessee, but yeah, I think at the, at the way the, the last two games have gone for Missouri against Tennessee, I think that's going to leave a bad taste in Eli Drinkwitz's mouth. And you know he's going to have that game circled. I think that is one of the games he's got circled. <laughs> it sounded like you just said Ey Drinkwitz. I know it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm uh, excited for for that game as well. Um, you know. Tennessee did throw a, uh, a long pass at the end of that game after it was kind of already in hand, and I don't know if uh, if Missouri appreciated that too much. So maybe this will be kind of an exciting game, you know, if they can slow down that Tennessee offense. And, Here we um, have it. Yeah, so I've got 7-5. Did you yeah, what's your yeah, projection? I actually have them at 8-4. and four. There you go. Yeah, so I have a solid season for Missouri. The losses that I'm looking at right now, um, just off the top of my head, are going to be obviously LSU-Georgia, like we said. Um, I'm also going to have them losing at Kentucky and at home versus Tennessee. But I do have them finishing the season with a win in Arkansas, which is – would that be their second or third year in a row beating um, Arkansas? I'm not sure. but uh, it's third, third year. And, uh, so you got them upsetting Arkansas on the road. And I believe – hasn't, Missouri, hasn't uh, Missouri beaten South Carolina four years in a row now? It, I think so. I mean, I'm not going to go back and do my research, but Missouri has had the upper hand in this rivalry. And – I think that's why I'm going with. Ar- I mean, that's why I'm going with Arkansas on this one. But yeah, I mean, doesn't really matter. I mean, between Tennessee and Arkansas, if, if Missouri splits those two games, I think Missouri fans are going to be very pleased. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I'm not necessarily against uh, Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is going to be bad or anything. I do have Missouri winning that game only because I just I trust their defense more. I don't like Arkansas's defense this year, which we'll get into that here in a minute uh, when we do their preview. But. Um, that's just where I'm at with uh, with Missouri. Got a eight and four. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember Drew Locke's senior season. I had them going like ten and two or eleven and one or something. I remember that. They they actually had a, a pretty good season, um, just not as good as I projected, and they probably lost a couple games that they shouldn't have. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, I am uh, yeah. I'm gonna have Missouri at eight and four. Um, I'm not sure if that's as exciting as Missouri fans are hoping for, but considering some of their out-of-conference matchups and then, of course, having to draw LSU from the West is kind of a tough break for them. Um, but uh, I have them, yeah, I mean, have them made before. Do you have any final thoughts on Missouri before we move on to Arkansas? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, 7-5, 8-4, either one of those, that's an improvement over the last two years. That'll buy Drinkwitz another year too. Um, that's moving in the right direction. You just want to improve upon those two six-win seasons. You need to show some improvement. 
I think the offense is going to improve from last year. Defense is going to be stout again. So, yeah, we're both in agreement. Missouri is going to be an improved team, and they're going to be challenging, you know, for the upper half of the East, in my opinion. You know, there's that middle group, and I think Missouri is going to be one of the better teams in that middle group. Absolutely. Um, and now we will just go ahead and move straight into our next preview, uh, which is going to be the Arkansas Razorbacks um, team we just uh, finished talking about with the Missouri schedule. So we'll just move right into them. A um, lot of uh, excitement around Arkansas this year. Um, they return KJ Jefferson, uh, senior quarterback, probably one of the um, probably the best quarterback in the SEC going into the season. A very dynamic player, big physical, uh, big arm. Um, you know, all the stuff you look for in a quarterback. Um, and then, of course, Raheem Sanders, they bring back um, probably the best running back in the SEC. So a really uh, exciting quarterback-running back combination there for Arkansas. Um, you know, they do lose both coordinators. Kendall Browles moves on to TCU. Barry Odom takes the head coaching job at UNLV. Um, so uh, they lose both of them. Uh, defense was really a problem for Arkansas last year. Um and uh, see, their final record was one, two, three, four, five, six. They what, They go six and six they last did, year. They did finish five hundred, which was you know in Arkansas fans' minds, it was a disappointing season. And I mean, I think we were just you know we're giving them way too much credit from the year before, and really weren't accounting for how much they'd lost from that previous season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So. I think we were a little bit more too excited coming into last year, you know, rolling off the momentum from the 2021 season. Last year really was a rebuild year. We just weren't wanting to admit it. Um, but, you know, this year I think they're going to, they're definitely going to improve upon that six and six record. I mean, we'll obviously dive into the schedule in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's lots of reasons to be exciting and excited in Fayetteville this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, you don't see a lot of teams struggle too much when they have a really good quarterback. Like, you just don't see a ton of um, teams have a really good quarterback and have a bad record. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, obviously K.J. Jefferson, I think I've said it so many times, you know, on this podcast, he is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the SEC. There's not another quarterback I would want. Um, you got, you know, Raheem Sanders, awesome running back, you know, returning. And, uh, of course, you know, you know, Dan Enos now is the offensive coordinator replacing Kendall Bryles. And, I mean, losing Bryles definitely hurts, but Enos is a uh, – you know, quarterback whisperer. I mean, you can go back to when he had Jalen Hurts as quarterback at Alabama, pretty much rebuilt his mechanics, and now he took a team to the Super Bowl last year. Um, Enos was the offensive coordinator prior to, um, you know, the Sam Pittman regime under Brett Bielema. I'm sure a lot of Arkansas fans remember him during that tenure. And the offense back then struggled a little bit more, but I think you have to attain that to more or less uh, Brett Bielema running his uh, old school 1995 Wisconsin Badgers offense, which, you know, was behind in the times. But that's a story for another time. But I really like the offense this year. I mean, Sam Pittman, you know, is always going to have a off really good offensive line. I think the offensive line this year is really going to control the trenches. And that's where you win your games, too. So. I'm not worried at all about the offense for Arkansas. I'm sure you're probably in the same um, you know, opinion of me, you know, as far as our thoughts on the offense. Defensively is, you know, completely different from Missouri. It's defense that we need to see the improvements with Arkansas for them to not fall back into that 500 category this year. Yeah, that's right. And um, they do bring in defensive coordinator from uh, UCF. Um, 
you know, UCF had, has improved each of the last two years. Uh, they had a top 40 scoring defense last year um, at UCF. Um, you know, they were more known for their offense for a long time, but he really kind of got their defense going. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see how he does. Uh, they had probably the worst, I believe, the worst pass defense in the country last year. And they're the worst defense in the SEC last year in yards allowed and, I mean, points allowed too. So you can't you can't get any worse than that. I mean, you, ha- you have nowhere to go but up. And they do return a second-team all-conference defensive back, uh, Dwight McLaughlin. Um, and then they bring in two big transfers in the secondary, uh, one from Georgia, who is a former five-star. Um, and then they bring in a safety from Baylor, who's, I think, kind of expected to be the, the better of the two transfers. But um, they do bring in a lot of transfers, just like everybody does nowadays. Um, but those are probably the two guys you want to watch out for the most. Um, that's probably my biggest concern with this Arkansas team uh, is the defense. Uh, my second biggest concern just being Danny Nose's offense. I mean, we know that 2015, 2016 had some had a couple of really good offenses with Sam Pittman um, at Arkansas, um, and then he went to Alabama, went to Miami. Uh, I believe he spent a year at Cincinnati, and then he's been at Maryland the last two years. So they have had some good offenses um, under Enos, uh, but not probably the big play offenses that um, you're used to seeing from Kendall Bryles. So maybe not uh, see the same amount of yardage, but I think if you were to ask Arkansas fans what their biggest problem with the offense was last year, it's going to be short yardage situations and red zone. Um, That's where they really struggled last year. Um, Having Raheem Sanders, having um, KJ Jefferson, Dan Enos calling the plays. And, um, really awesome offensive line. Yeah, really solid offensive line. They're going to get you those short yardage situations, those third exactly. and ones that you definitely exactly. need. And uh, Brady Latham is a second-team all-conference offensive lineman. Um, and you know that uh, Sam Pittman, that's his bread and butter, is those offensive linemen. So you know they're going to be tough and big and physical up front. Um, they're expected to be a lot better on the offensive line this season than they were last year. So um, maybe not as many big plays as you saw under Kendall Bryles, but – probably going to be a lot more physical and better in running situations. Um, so that's just uh, something to look out for. We'll go ahead and get into the schedule. Um, so I'm just going to run run through everything real quick. They play uh, Western Carolina to start the season, then Kent State, uh, BYU at home before their first road trip at LSU, a game that they were really competitive in last year. Um, then they will play Texas A&M and Jerry World before they have road trips to Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, Then they will host Mississippi State before their off week, and they will travel to Florida. And then they will host uh, Hugh Freeze in Auburn, Florida International, and then, of course, the big border war game um, against Missouri. Um, So uh, looking at the schedule, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say they're going to start off 2-0. and then Florida International, I'm going to say is a win. Um, I'm going to say the losses are Alabama, and that's pretty much it. That's the only one I look at and say, yeah, that's a for sure loss. So they, we got three for sure wins and two for sure loss, or one for sure loss. So is that what you see, or what do you see? Yeah, I'm with you on the same thing. And they always seem to struggle against Alabama. I mean, going back to uh, you know the Bobby Petrino years um, when they were really good under Petrino, uh, Brett Bielema. Also, uh, you know, Sam Pittman. Um, they, I can't remember the last time Al- that Arkansas has beaten Alabama. I think you might have to go back as, as far as like another decade or more before. I can't remember the last time that Arkansas has beaten Alabama. Arkansas fans will definitely, you know, be in our mentions and let us know the last time they beat Alabama. 
But yeah, I'm, I've got three wins for sure. 2006. Like, say back to the Mike Shuley that era. Was, uh, <laughs> that was Lee Tiffin missed like an extra point and like four field goals. So yeah, I, time. I thought it would have been around that time frame. I mean, I, I, I didn't. Want, I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt and say it's been only about ten years, but really it's been seventeen years. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen three three wins on this schedule for sure. I may want to go and say they're going to get a fourth win at home against BYU. BYU is going to be tough, but you know, the playing in Arkansas, that's going to be a six thirty night game. I think I would have to give favoritism to uh, Arkansas there. So that would be four wins for me. Um, yeah, the game at LSU. Arkansas has always played LSU really well mm-hmm. over the years. So I'm that's that's going to be a toss up at this point, in my opinion, because they're going to be three and zero. LSU is probably going to be three and zero as well. That's going to be a really good game. Um, probably a you know top five LSU team versus a top twenty Arkansas team at this point. So that's going to be an exciting game. Um, so yeah, that that's a tough one, but it's really going to be that four game stretch at LSU, then playing A and M in Arlington. Then at Ole Miss and then at Alabama, those four games right there are going to really play a huge role in how their season, you know, turns out. So, um, I think if you're an Arkansas fan, if you can split those four games, um, you'll be very pleased. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the road schedule. I mean, Alabama and LSU. That's pretty tough. Um, it is. You know, Ole Miss and Florida. I definitely could see them winning either or both of those, uh, either or both of those games. Um, you know, man, Arkansas always plays the most exciting games out of, like, the last maybe 10 years. They always play the most exciting games. I feel like Arkansas, Ole Miss is always a crazy game. It is. Texas A&M, Arkansas is always a crazy game, but Texas A&M usually wins. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always a it's always a really close game. Um, Heartbreaker last year. Right, yeah. And that, that, that's the one that I look at, and I'm like, that's a game that I like Arkansas in is that Texas A&M game. Me too. You know, I, I just think the revenge factor, you know, I don't love um, I don't love the situation at Texas A&M right now, which if you listen to our preview for them, you kind of probably got that sense. I did pick Arkansas to win that game on that preview. Um, so, should be a really exciting season. Um, you know, I think I've already kind of said what I expect from them in terms of, you know, the team. I expect them to not sc- score as many points or maybe score as many points but not have as many yards. Um, and then the defense, I still think it's going to struggle a little bit, but it will be better than last year. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and I mean, I hate to make the joke, but you can't help but do it. I mean, they can't be any worse defensively. No, they can't be. They have you know, to be better. Yeah, when you look, obviously, we're looking at their schedule. I mean, the first, you know, what, eight games, I think if you can be five and three after those first eight games, you're going to be in a sitting in a really good position, and then you have a bye week, you know, before Halloween, and then those last four games, all four of those – are more than winnable, and it's right. it's not un, it's not unreasonable to say that Arkansas can run the table those last four games and you know finish at nine and three. Um, I mean, at Florida it could be tough because um, I think at this point Florida is going to be a wounded animal. They're going to be desperate for a victory at this point in the season. I mean, we've already done the Florida preview where we're not high on them, um, but I, if you've listened to the Florida preview, we both I think picked Florida to win that game in wounded animal mode. But you know, Arkansas does have a bye week. Who knows? Maybe Florida's team has given up by this point. Arkansas could definitely still not steal, but right. you know, going to march into Gainesville and win that one too. The game I'm excited about though is when they play Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be a much improved team this year. I mean, Hugh Freeze is notorious for getting results immediately in his first season. Um, he did it at Arkansas State. He did it at Ole Miss. He did it at Liberty. He's going to do it at Auburn too. So that's going to be an exciting game. Um, but yeah, I. 
trying to think what my projected record was. Um, if we want to go ahead and yeah, well, I'll just that. go ahead and do mine. I have Arkansas at seven and five this year. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's probably what they were hoping for. Um, you know, I could definitely see, just like I said, uh, there's really only one game I look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, that's a for sure loss, and that's a road trip to Alabama. But you know, hey, I mean, they, they could go nine and three potentially, eight and four. Um, it's definitely in the cards for them. It's so hard to predict games late in the season because we just don't know what factors are going to come into play. I mean, teams are going to have injuries. Some teams are going to surprise a little bit. Um, so this is just kind of where we sit right now. Um, I'm going to say that they're going to start off the season 3-0. and I think they're going to beat BYU at home. They handled them pretty easily last year. Um, I, just like I said, I expect them to lose at LSU, at Alabama. Uh, but I think that they will beat Texas A&M. Uh, I have them winning at Ole Miss on the road. I actually have them losing at home to Mississippi State. I think a lot of people would probably be surprised by that. Um, just the only reason I say that is um, – you know, I just think Mississippi State is going to be a pretty good offensive team this year. I think they're going to surprise some people. And uh, that's been a game that Mississippi State has done well in the past few years. But, again, it's Zach Arnett's first season as a head coach. I mean, we really don't know what to expect. It wouldn't surprise me if Mississippi State was a 5-7 and seven type team that was kind of disappointing that Arkansas could get a win. In they're that a wild one. card this year. So, you really don't know. I, I, just, I have Mississippi State winning that game right now just because of all that they return. I mean, I think they have like 20 of 22 starters or seniors. So just a really, a lot of experience. A really older team. Yeah, I mean, and then I have, I have, I do have them Arkansas losing at Florida, um, and I do have them losing at home to Missouri. But those are both games that I mean, it's basically fifty fifty. I mean, I could really, they could really go either way. Um, and then I do have them beating Auburn at home and Florida Atlanta, Florida International at home. Um, my thoughts on the Florida on the Auburn game are just that, you know, I, I think. When it comes to Hugh Freeze, I'm thinking like, all right, he's going to circle like two or three games on their schedule that they're going to show up and they're going to play great. And I think those games are going to be the Iron Bowl, the Georgia game, and the Ole Miss game. Yeah, me and too. I think the rest, of this, <laughs> the rest of the season, you just have – I have no clue what to expect from them. So I'm just going to say that uh, that Arkansas is going to take care of business at home. Auburn's just relying on too many transfers. I'm not crazy about their quarterback. Um, so I do think that's a game that, uh, that Arkansas is going to win. So I have them at seven and five, but again – they could be as good as nine and three, in my opinion. Um, they could be as bad as six and six, but I have them at, at seven and five. That's fair, and uh, I would say my floor for Arkansas is six and six, which is equaling last year. My ceiling for them is ten and two, um, but I'm I'm one game ahead of you on them. I'm actually got I got Arkansas at eight and four. I think the biggest difference is that I do have them beating Missouri at home on Black Friday. Um, I like I mean, even though we both like Missouri more this year, we both like Missouri a lot too. Um, I'm much higher on Arkansas at the same time. I'm going to go with Arkansas in that one, eight and four, solid season. But they could easily finish nine and three. I mean, I think that Florida game is more than reasonable to expect them to win. I just had to pick Florida because I tried not to shit on Florida too much when I did that preview. But um, Florida is going to be a wounded animal at this point. But who knows? Maybe the team will be, you know, in disarray by this point in the season, and that's a win for Arkansas. But otherwise, you know, eight and four, nine and three. Got to be excited about having that. You're going to end up in a good bowl, maybe a January bowl with, with that uh, kind of bid. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, this is uh, – we talked about uh, Eli Drinkwitz kind of being a make-or-break season for him. I, I do sort of feel the same way about Sam Pittman and just, um, you know, I think a lot of questions may come up about his ceiling after this season if it's a disappointing season. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to, to justify – um, like a six and six type season with a senior quarterback, 
you know, as good as KJ Jefferson. So I do wonder like if there will be any discussions about him like later in the season. Um, you know, they, they he kind of pulled him up from nothing to like a respectable team so quickly that uh, he got like he got a lot of credit for that and deservingly so. But I think now the question is going to start to become like, all right, well, what's his ceiling as a coach? And um, I think that might be a point of conversation later in the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there is definitely a ceilings for both of those guys. It's just, uh, is it is their ceilings acceptable, you know, at those you know places? Remains to be seen. We'll find out later this year. Yeah, and I, it'll be interesting to see what Danny knows because they do have a relationship, and I think that Danny knows is going to run much more of an offense that Sam Pittman wants. It's going to help out the defense a lot because they're not going to be on the field as much as they were when Kendall Bryles is out there, you know, with his fast tempo, like yeah. either scoring really quick or going three and out real quick and the deep, putting the defense right back on the field. So it'll be good to see the offense sustain some drives that the defense can kind of improve because of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But so uh, did you have anything else on Arkansas? Or are you ready to move on? I think we're ready to move on. I mean, 7-5, 8-4, could be as high as 9-3. and three. Improvement upon last year, that's what you want. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the third team and final team for, t- for today's podcast that we're previewing is going to be Tennessee. Uh, the Volunteers uh, breakthrough season last year for Josh Heupel. Um, one of probably the most explosive offense in the conference last year um, and maybe even the country outside of Ohio State. Um, you know, obviously, Hinton Hooker moves on. Uh, they have some receivers move on. Um, but uh, they return Joe Milton, uh, obviously very highly recruited quarterback, a very um, – you know, exciting player with his arm strength. Um, and, I mean, last year was a big season for Tennessee. They beat Alabama. They go 10-2. and two. They go to the Orange Bowl, beat Clemson for to make it 11 wins. So, um, really exciting season for uh, Tennessee fans last year and a lot of excitement going into to this season. Um, do you have anything specifically that you're thinking about uh, going into the season this year? Yeah, so last year's Tennessee defense um, that struggled at times. There were some games where you know the defense was more than serviceable, and the other games where they just weren't uh, performing up to their you know to a higher standard. This year, one of the leading stats um, and that people don't know about probably for the Tennessee team is that on their defense, they're projected to have nine seniors on their defense this year. So there's going to be a lot of veterans across the board, uh, to, you know, basically stopping the run. Um, Tennessee was really good at that last year, uh, surprisingly. It was the secondary where Tennessee had most of their struggles. Uh, for Tennessee to try to uh, maintain, you know, that from last year and have a similar season last year to, you know, go like 10-2 and two or even better, their secondary is going to have to make those improvements. I mean, they're going to have Warren Burrell come back um, after missing last season, you know, due to an injury. Uh, Warren Burrell is going to be a senior in that uh, secondary and a, more of a leader. Um, a lot of Tennessee fans will say Warren Burrell is not that good, um, but he's still probably going to get plenty of time in the rotation. Uh, they'll have Jalen McCullough as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, the defensive line, I mean, they're going to be really solid, led by Elijah Simmons. So defensively, I mean, they're hoping that he can just become serviceable because the offense, even though they have a great system in place, good coaching, um, it's going to be hard to replicate 550 yards per game like they had last year. Um, I think it's reasonable that they should still be able to get more than 500 yards per game this year, but I don't know if they're going to replicate the same as last year. You're just hoping you can be close enough uh, to overcome it, and then you're hoping the defense makes another step to where you can try to have a similar season last year. Um, but, yeah, Joe Milton, I mean, everyone knows about him. He's probably the biggest, one of the biggest X factors in college football. Um, it's either, you know, he's going to either be like a dud or 
he's going to be in New York. I mean, there's really not anything around him, you know, besides that. I mean, he's got all the physical tools um, to be successful. Um, incredible arm strength, probably the strongest arm in all of football. Um, but it's going to be him having to make the adjustments on those short throws. That's where he really struggles a lot is on the short throws. It's not He's got to improve on the touch. That's been his biggest issue is he'll throw bullets, you know, that are about five or ten yards away, and he'll just – Blitz right through the receiver's hands, and those when you get those in the SEC, you got to, you know, safety right behind him waiting to pick that off. So you got to be much better on those. Um, we got solid running backs across the board that they'll rotate. Um, I think with Jabari Small and uh, Dylan S- S- Sampson leading the way, and Jalen Wright, receivers uh, they did lose. You know, two guys in the NFL, Tillman and Hyatt. Those are big losses, but they got some solid receivers in the in the receiving corps that are going to be. Coming this year, they got Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton back, who both had lots of, lots of playing time last year. Big plays from both of those guys. Um, Squirrel White, who is probably Joe Milton's favorite target, is going to be definitely slated in the rotation. The biggest guy that has question marks but has really high end potential is Dante Thornton, transfer from Oregon. He's 6'5, um, runs a 4'3 speed. So they're hoping that maybe he he and Squirrel White could be like that Jalen Hyatt type that just runs the go routes and Joe Milton just airs it out. So overall, I mean, I think Tennessee fans have a lot to be excited for this year. The offense is still going to be really good. I mean, Josh Heifel is an offensive genius. He's going to put you know the uh, Joe Milton and the offense in positions to maximize production. Um, I think the biggest thing with Tennessee is how improved can the defense be to help them take that next step if they want to compete. Uh, with Georgia in the East. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, just you kind of dove into everything right there. Um, I did just want to talk about Joe Milton for a second. Um, obviously, really highly recruited, started his career at Michigan. Um, you know, had a little bit uh, up and down. He didn't really – he played just sparingly in 2018 and 2019. Um, in 2020, he um, threw for 1,077 yards uh, at a 56.7% completion percentage. Uh, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, 2021, which I believe was his first year at Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was 32 for 62 for 51.6% completion percentage, uh, 375 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, last year, that completion percentage jumped up to 64.6%. Uh, he threw for 971 yards, 10 touchdowns, no picks. So um, really improved last year when he was able to get on the field. Um, you know, obviously he came in in relief of Hendon Hooker after he got hurt. Um, so uh, when I think about Joe Milton, um, it's really hard for me to not think about. I guess it was that pit game in 2021. It just felt All like the overthrows. Yeah, he just felt like he was just <laughs> overthrowing everyone. There was a lot of wide open receivers. He overthrowing Jalen Hyatt. It's just yeah. pretty hard to overthrow him. So that that is just sort of a concern for me is I just wonder like how can he be consistently accurate? Um, I think 65% completion percentage, which is what he was last year is more than acceptable. But a lot of that was, you know, later in games um, and then, you know, late in the season. So, um, ho- you know, you just hope that he can be more consistent, stay consistent throughout the course of the season. Um, obviously we know how far he can throw it. Um, you know, I don't know how often he's going to have to throw the ball 80 yards on the football field, but um, as long as he can get it where it needs to be, um, I do think that Hypo is able to drop the plays. I don't have any concerns about um, the receiving talent. Um, we know we've seen a lot of these guys play, the guys that you mentioned, and, of course, the transfer from Oregon. Um, so I don't have any concern at all about the receivers. Um, I do worry a little bit about the running game. Um, when teams were able to stop the running game last year, that's really when Tennessee struggled. 
um, which is surprising because most people are going to think about that passing game when they think about Tennessee. But um, just looking at uh, Joe Milton, you just want to see more consistency um, on those, those short routes. Um, you want to see him hit those open receivers um, when they're there, uh, which they will be in this offense. And if he can do that, then I expect Tennessee to have a really good season. Um, and I'll just go ahead and uh, we can just go ahead and get into their schedule. Um, if I can pull it up real quick, uh, they they host the se- they host uh, or no, it's actually a neutral site game in Nashville uh, to start the season against Virginia. Uh, Virginia is, I think, projected to be one of, if not the worst, Power Five teams. One um, of the worst teams. You could probably argue that, you know, I'm not gonna not crap on Vanderbilt, but you know, Vanderbilt was the worst team in the SEC last year. Arguably, Vanderbilt's better than Virginia. Virginia is, yeah, like you said, they're probably going to be running for the worst power five team this year there's a lot of issues in charlottesville um, they got a lot of injuries um, a lot of roster turnover from last year um tony elliott's got a lot of um on his plate to try to clean everything up and i think you know virginia fans will say they just want that game to be close yeah right so that's uh even though it is a you know power five matchup out of conference um not expected to be a difficult one tennessee's out of conference schedule this year is is very favorable um, then week two, they host Austin P before traveling down to uh, the Swamp in week three. Uh, then they'll host um, UTSA. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough out-of-conference game. That's probably going to be the toughest one. That's like an App State-type opponent. They're gonna, that's a trap game, too. That's really scary for Tennessee because it's between playing at Florida and then hosting South Carolina the next week, which you know will be a revenge factor-type game. Can't be looking ahead on UTSA. Even though that game's in Knoxville, um, Tennessee cannot look ahead for that one because UTSA, that's going to be their biggest game of the year. They're going to be hyped for that one. Yeah, and then uh, the next week, like you said, September 30th, they will host South Carolina. Um, Then they have the bye week. Then they'll host Texas A&M. Then they'll travel to Alabama and then to Kentucky. Uh, They host UConn this year. That's surprising. Um, You don't see UConn play a lot of SEC teams. Um, and then they will travel on November 11th to Missouri before hosting Georgia and hosting Vanderbilt to end the season. Um, so just looking at the schedule right off the bat, um, because of Tennessee's offense and how good they are, um, I don't know if I see one game on the schedule and think like, all right, that's a sure loss. So I'm not going to say there's any sure losses on the schedule. I will say that the sure wins are going to be Virginia, Austin P, UTSA, uh, UConn and Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, so I, I would say four of those five. I want to say UTSA, but that is a trap game. But I probably will go with you and give the benefit of the doubt. I don't think Tennessee will overlook UTSA. So I'll say five, but still a little weary on that UTSA. But so yeah, we, I think we're both in agreement. We see five wins for sure. After that, you know, we got, you know, I guess you want to call seven toss ups, seven games that they need to win in order to, um, you know, call it a successful season. Yeah, and I think the first one being that road trip to Florida. Um, you know, Florida obviously has a really tough schedule, but this is a huge game for them early in the season. Try to set the tone. Yeah, they want to set the tone for the season. They want to um, get some positive momentum. Obviously, Napier is recruiting really well, but um, if they go, if they have a tough season, which it looks like they probably will because their schedule is so difficult, and as we discussed in the Florida preview, we're not huge on Graham Mertz. But uh, Florida has – had a lot of success in this series against Tennessee, especially at home. So that's definitely, um, you know, a game to watch out for. Um, we did both pick Tennessee to win this game. I think we both think it's going to be a close game. Um, Competitive but, uh, game, for right. sure. And then UTSA, of course. I mean, we know, um, uh, I think, is it Trainer? Is it the coach's name? Trailer or Trailer? Yeah, Trailer. So he's a 
one of the more exciting uh, offensive minds in college football. Um, he's probably going to be a hot name for a big job next next year. Um, so that's something to watch out for. Um, you know, South Carolina, just like you said, big revenge game for Tennessee. Um, I do think that Tennessee's going to win this one just because it's going to be a really um, a really emotional game. They they they're going to come out and play play hard. Um, you know, trying to avenge that loss in South Carolina. Um, you know, I, 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 you may if anyone's been listening to all of our previews, they probably can pick up on the fact that I'm not hot, very high on South Carolina this year. But uh, you know, I, I do think Spencer Rattler could potentially have a few big games like he did last year and lead him to a win. But overall, I'm not crazy about their lines. You know, their lines of scrimmage. Um, when I look at teams that are going to beat Tennessee, it's going to be teams that who can stop the run, and I don't think South Carolina is one of those teams. Yeah, and I'm I'm probably similar with you on South Carolina. I still think South Carolina is going to be a solid team, but I'm not as high as maybe some people are saying that they're going to take that next step and you know potentially win you know nine or more games and challenge for second in the East. I mean Spencer Rattler is exceptionally talented, but he just hasn't put it all together in one season. I mean, like you said, he's good for a few games where he can just win you a game like last year against Tennessee and against Clemson was outstanding in those two games. But you just look at the other games, like when they played Missouri, you know, and Florida, like he just like worked all over the place in those games. And even against, you know, some bad opponents, like, uh, um, what was it? Charlotte. So like right. there's some, there's some, there's some games where he's just very questionable. So, I like, I like Tennessee to beat South Carolina, too. There's a lot of revenge factor. South Carolina probably is the reason Tennessee did not end up going to the playoff. Um, so that's definitely in their mind. So I think we're both in agreement. Tennessee starts off 5-0. and They have a bye week um, before they host Texas A&M. I think we're both going to be in agreement that Tennessee is going to take care of business against A&M. A&M is still a tough opponent. Lots of talent in College Station. Defensive line is probably one of their biggest strengths as far as size. They got a bunch of you know, 350 plus pounders on the defensive line. Two guys, I think, that are pushing 400 pounds on in the middle on that defensive line, which you could say is an advantage for an offense like Tennessee. But also, you're on the flip side of Tennessee, they're going to be running no huddle. Those guys might get tired a lot more faster. So you can see it either way. But I think we're both going to say six and zero after that game. Well, that and that could be a really, um, a really exciting game. I mean, I think Texas A&M. Their schedule doesn't really get hard before uh, this game. So Texas A&M could come into this game with one loss, maybe even be undefeated. Yeah, and so it could Tennessee, be a college game day yeah. type game. So this could be like a you know a top 10, top 15 type matchup. Um, you know, potentially college game day could be there um, because the schedules haven't really beefed so up for these two teams yet. Yeah, the schedules will line up for it to where you are correct that both of these teams could be undefeated or A&M and Tennessee, one of them could have the loss. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a – I mean, I would go ahead and chalk it up. It's going to be a top 25 matchup, but it could yeah. very well be top 15. I think the AM's defense is good enough to keep them in this game. Um, you know, they have the number two projected defense in the country, according to Bill Conley's S&P ranking. So, um, definitely a team that could give Tennessee some trouble, uh, Tennessee's offense some trouble. And, again, as we talk about with Joe Milton, these teams who can stop the run are really going to force Joe Milton to be perfect. And, um, you know, we worry a little bit about his accuracy, or at least I do. I do, um, too. So – um, that's obviously going to be a really tough one. I feel like that game could go either way, but I'll probably pick Tennessee to win that one. Um, then they're going to travel on the road to Alabama, a game they won last year. Um, you know, they broke the long losing streak that they had. This will be a um, top five matchup because I think Alabama is going to be could very well be undefeated at this point too. 
Yeah, and then now they make by Tennessee winning that game, they made Arkansas the butt of all the jokes now because now they have the longest losing streak to Alabama. <laughs> it used to be a tie between Tennessee and Arkansas. Now it's just Arkansas by themselves. Yeah, thank God for Tennessee that they won that game last year when they did. But yeah, that game in Tuscaloosa, um, Saban doesn't lose the teams twice in a row. I mean, I think I can only count once. Maybe I think in Saban senior, he's lost twice in a row, and that was Ole Miss in 2014 and 2015. Don't really see that happening this year. I think. I still think it's going to be a really competitive game. I mean, Tennessee's not going to lay down in this one. They're going to play hard. They're going to be undefeated. They have a lot to play for. Um, but I'm going to go with Alabama here. I think Alabama's what they're – I mean, I'm not going to analyze the game too much, but I think they're they're going to be more of a ball control team this year. They're going to try to keep Tennessee's offense off the field and play some really, you know, sound, disciplined defense. I think it's going to be more of a low-scoring type. So I'm, I'm going to go with Alabama here. So that's 6-1. and one. Gets going into Lexington next week. Um, Kentucky's going to be a much improved team this year. I mean, they're probably one of my biggest dark horses, not just in the SEC, but the country. I really like Devin Leary. A lot of Tennessee fans may not like me for saying that, but I do think Kentucky's going to be much better. But with that said, I do like Tennessee in this one. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to um, – I don't want to go, like, game by game, and then we <laughs> we started doing it anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just go ahead and say that my kind of surprise um, – one of my surprise upsets on the season is going to be Kentucky beating Tennessee at home this year. Um, I have, you know, not, not to spoil like the rest of it, but I do have uh, Tennessee going nine and three this year. Um, and I have, this is sort of like their upset loss um, at Kentucky. Uh, this game has just kind of been, um, you know, it is a rivalry for Kentucky. Um, it's a really big game for them. I think that um, Tennessee coming off of two really, you know, emotional games against Texas A&M and Alabama, um, it's going to be a, a tough spot for them going into Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's really going to have this game circled, I think. And uh, just like you said, we like Devin Leary. Um, they got some really talented young receivers. Uh, they bring back their offense coordinator from two years ago, who's really the only guy who's had any success offensively at Kentucky. Um, yeah, I like the bringing Cone back for sure. The defense, you know, we, we expect Kentucky's defense to always be pretty solid. I, the only real question I have about Kentucky is that offensive line. Um you know, they were really bad last year, but um, I think we expect them to at least be a little bit better this year. So I do worry about that a little bit, but um, I, this is sort of like a, a trap game, I think, for Tennessee, and I'm going to have Kentucky winning that. Um, and then, you know, UConn, I mean, I'm not at all worried about, about <laughs> that. That was already chalked up win. Yeah, and, um, you know, I don't think they're going to lose to Vanderbilt. So Missouri is going to be a tough game for them. And then, of course, Georgia at home, I mean, that's going to be – that was probably one of the games of the year in the SEC at that point, just depending on uh, where Tennessee is at this point. Um, I, I know that I already said it, and I've already kind of hinted it, you know, two previews ago when we were talking about Missouri. I've got Missouri upsetting Tennessee here. I do have Tennessee beating Kentucky, but they're going to have them losing to Missouri. So that'll have them give them two losses going into that Georgia game, which really will put a dud on that game because I think, you know, a lot of Tennessee fans are hoping that at the very – least they might only have one loss going to that game so like that game will be for the east yeah. like that game will pretty much be for the east and also playoff implications because i think georgia if you look at their schedule which will if we ever get to it at any point they can't afford a loss it's kind of like clemson last year um, georgia really with their schedule this year it's not their fault not kirby smart's fault just the way it lined up um they can't afford a loss tennessee you know i think they're going to be eight and two going to this game i got georgia winning this one um, then I got Tennessee beating Vanderbilt, so I got them at nine and three. Only difference is I got them. Yeah, you got them losing. Yeah. We have we flip flop the Missouri and Kentucky games, but both both of us have them on the same path, nine and three, which is another solid season on Rocky Top. Probably a Citrus Bowl bid with that as well. 
Yeah, I, I do expect another solid season from, from Tennessee. Um, you know, I would not be surprised at all if they went 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Um, yeah. I do think that's in the cards for them if, if things break their way. If Alabama is a little bit disappointing this season, Which you know, and I we am. we both expect AM, at least offensively, to struggle. So um, I could, you know, you could definitely draw up a scenario where we're looking at 11 1 type season for Tennessee. I do think that's very much in the cards. Yeah, um, I think that's their ceiling, and eight and four would be the floor. So anywhere between eight and four, eleven and one, I think is what's was what you can expect on Rocky Top. Um, nine and three, I think, is the most reasonable record to say, but ten and two is very possible again. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have since we're just talking about all the coaches at the end of these? Do you have any concerns at all that another disappointing season for Brett Venables that Oklahoma could make a run at Josh Heupel? You know, I just don't know if um, Heupel would even leave Tennessee unless it's for an NFL job. Um, I just think right now, um, I mean, it just depends. I mean, I know that he had some a little bit of bad blood at Oklahoma, you know, with the way things ended there. When he, he was got, he was the offense coordinator, and then they fired him, right? For my, for Lincoln Riley. Um, they, they made him a scapegoat back at the time. Even though offense really wasn't a problem, he was the offense coordinator there with Trevor Knight um, that year when they you know, beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Um, but – Offense really never was an issue when Heupel was there, but they made him out to be a scapegoat. I think it rubbed Heupel the wrong way. They hired Lincoln Riley, who, of course, had inherited Baker Mayfield, the transfer from Texas Tech. The rest is history. Uh, but I, after that, I mean, I don't know how Heupel feels, but, I mean, you just don't see as many guys leaving big programs for other big programs. I mean, of course, it did happen in Tennessee once where they lost Lane Kiffin, but that was after one year. I mean, who knows what happens with Heupel, but... My belief is I think Heupel is staying in Knoxville unless the NFL comes calling and he has aspirations to coach in the NFL. I do have uh, like just one funny thing about Josh Heupel. You remember that uh, interview he did on Bustin' with the Boys with Taylor Lewan and uh, Will Compton? You ever watched that? I never saw that it, interview, it was, but it I think really I may funny. have heard some tidbits. The, right? the clip was uh, they asked him what he would do about the playoff. And he said he would just take the top four SEC teams and play. <laughs> and then Taylor Wall was like, he's like, well, don't you have to include like the, you know, the other teams, you know, from the, you know, the other powers outside the SEC? And uh, Josh Heupel was like, do you really? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you got to con- include like Michigan, Ohio State. And Heupel was like, do you really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, if Heupel is being serious or not, but I mean, I think Heupel, you know, after being in the SEC, I mean, he was the offensive coordinator of Missouri, now the head coach of Tennessee. He knows where the best best football is being played. And, of course, you know, his alma mater, Oklahoma, is joining the SEC next year. But, yeah, overall, I think Heupel will be in Knoxville in the foreseeable future. I think the only way he'll ever leave is if he wants to coach in the NFL. All right. Well, I think that'll about wrap it up for today. Did a lot better with our timing this time around. But um, uh, we have some more previews to get to. We're probably not going to do Alabama or Georgia. We may not do LSU either, but we are going to try to do everybody else. Um, So... We may try to get one midweek out, um, but we'll definitely at least get one out uh, by the end of next week, and then we'll have our big whole season preview podcast um, before the season starts. That'll be fun. Yep. So I can't uh, wait for that one. Yeah, that's our, usually our most exciting one. But uh, anyway, JB, do you have anything else to say before you get out of here? I don't. Uh, let's hit the pool. All right. Well, until next time, take it easy. We'll see you all in the next one.